Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. We've been doing, uh, as a church, we've been doing a series called The Ultimate Gift Giver. Uh, where we've been looking at four different gifts uh, that God gives to us through Christ. And that's where we've been the last few Sundays. We're going to kind of conclude that series, wrap it up really briefly here tonight with one last gift, and that is the gift of joy. So we're going to be looking at joy tonight. Uh, But first, let me open us up in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for uh, this time. Thank you for this time of year where we get to celebrate Jesus, your birth, and God, that you became flesh and you dwelt among us. You came to earth to rescue us from our sin, from death, uh, and from the brokenness in this world. And so as uh, we we examine this gift of joy tonight, God, I pray that you uh, would be exalted and that we would see clearly who you, Jesus, are and what you have to offer us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Question, have you ever had a bad day? Probably. Okay, you all laugh. You're like, I'm having a bad day right now. Um, Now, we've all had bad days. This time of year brings up a particularly bad day uh, in my memory. Uh, I'm from Central Oregon, and uh, it's wintertime, and so it snows in Central Oregon. So a question I often get asked around this time of year is, do you ski or snowboard? The answer to that question is no, uh, but I have once. And it was a bad day. My wife is from Bend, and she grew up, her and her family grew up going uh, to Bachelor, skiing and snowboarding and all that kind of stuff. And so when we started dating, I can't remember if we were dating or engaged, her family wanted to take me to the mountain and teach me how to ski. I figured I could try anything once. Well, not anything, but you know what I mean. Um, And so I agreed to go on this this journey. Uh, We got to the mountain. I hate being cold. I hate the cold. And so the minute we stepped out of the car, I was not having a good time. I was not loving life. Uh, But we got gear rented, and uh, the very first lesson, I'm still convinced it was a joke, is I needed to learn how to stand up when I've fallen over. Because when you have skis on your feet, it's really hard to just stand up, so you got to learn that. And so on flat ground, no one's moving anywhere. We're like standing in line. Uh, my wife's uncle tells me, you need to fall over and then stand back up. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Uh, he's like, no, you need to do it. So like over and over again, I'm falling down. I'm like, I'm humiliated. So I'm cold. I'm humiliated. And we finally make it to the bunny hill, which is where you learn how to ski. Or you're supposed to learn. And you, you master the pizza french fry, right? If you're a skier, pizza, you put the tips of your skis together and make the shape of a slice of pizza. And that makes you go slow. French fry, they go straight, that makes you go fast. Uh, And so pizza, French fry, I got that down. Everyone's waiting on me. I'm like, let's do this thing. Let's go up to the the big boy stuff. Uh, Bad idea. We got up to the top of the mountain, blowing wind and snow, and I'm convinced it's like a sheer cliff that you have to like go off to start this run. And uh, there's only one way down the mountain. Uh, And so went for it. And I spent the rest of the day rolling down the mountain, uh, having a horrible time. My body was bruised. My knees hurt because it turns out pizza french fry means nothing. Once you get beyond the the bunny hill, you actually like have to turn and stuff. We got to, I got to the bottom. I mean, hours it took me to fall down this mountain. And someone asked, uh, one of Jenna's family members asked, do you want to do it again? I said, no, I do not ever want to do this again. So that was the first and last time I've uh, ever went skiing. Um, It was a bad day. We've all had bad days. Uh, Many of us have had bad weeks, bad months, bad years. Maybe you're in a bad season of life right now. And the bad days we have are often for far less trivial things than uh, my skiing woes uh, because life is hard. 
We encounter difficult circumstances. We encounter suffering and various trials in life. And it can be hard to have joy in the midst of those. But the Bible tells us that that kind of joy in the midst of all circumstances is possible. We can have joy in suffering. We can have joy when we face trials. We can have joy in the midst of life's difficult circumstances. So the question tonight is how? How can we have that kind of joy? How can we have joy in the midst of difficult circumstances? And that's the question I hope to answer tonight. And to do so, uh, we're going to be in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. It should be on the screen. But honestly, who knows? Luke chapter 2, we're going to jump in kind of the middle of the birth narrative of of Christ. Uh, Jesus has been born. Uh, He was born in a manger. And then the shepherds that are nearby, they're watching over their flocks and an angel appears to them. And they're terrified. An angel is there. What is going on? And the angel speaks to the shepherds in verse 10 of Luke chapter 2. This is what it says. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The angel announces good news. And the good news is that great joy, this kind of joy that we want, this kind of joy in the midst of all life's circumstances, is available to all people. That kind of joy, great joy, is available to all, and this is good news. And how is it available? Why is it available? Verse 11 starts, for or because a child has been born. Great joy is available to you because, a short ways off, in a manger, a baby has been born. It's baby Jesus. So who is this Jesus? Uh, We're given three titles for Jesus in this passage, Savior, Christ, and Lord. And this tells us a lot about who he is. The first is Savior. Jesus saves us from our sin. Uh, Jesus came into this world to save us from sin and brokenness and death. And he did so through his life, his death, and his resurrection. He lived a perfect life, a life of holiness and righteousness that we can never live. He died a sacrificial death on the cross. And then he rose from the grave victorious and offers all who come to him in faith eternal life. Jesus is a savior. He's also Christ. The word Christ is not Jesus's last name. Uh, It's a title. uh, And it's in reference to the Old Testament word Messiah, which means anointed one. In other words, uh, Jesus was a king. Uh, He was a royal king, uh, the the promised king from the Old Testament that, that uh, that was born on Christmas Day. And so Jesus being a king means a couple of things for us. First of all, uh, it means that Jesus is not simply fire insurance or a get out of hell free card. Uh, Jesus is a king. Uh, He's royalty. And those who follow him are to submit and serve to, to this king. But then also everything that Jesus is and has is also uh, ours who follow Christ. And so if Jesus is a royal king, that means you and I are royalty as well. We have a royal inheritance in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're a king or queen. And lastly, it says Jesus is Lord. Jesus was no, not merely man. He was not just a human. He was God in the flesh. 100% God, 100% man. God came to us uh, in our form as a human, as a baby, a needy, humble baby. And he did this to pursue us. God could have left humanity in our mess, in our sin, in our brokenness, and had us try to figure out a way to deal with it and get back to him but he didn't. He came to us. He stepped into our world in the form of a human. Jesus, the perfect God-man, bridges the gap between God and man so that we can be with 
our creator. And so all of this to describe a baby lying in a manger a few miles away from these shepherds. Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, and it is him and him alone that can give all people great joy. Because you see, to have joy, you have to have Jesus. It is only in Christ, in Jesus, that we can have the kind of joy that lasts in the midst of difficult circumstances. The Apostle Paul understood this. He writes his letter to the church in Philippi, the Philippians, from prison. And while Paul is sitting in prison writing a letter uh, to this church, uh, he's talking about the joy that he has, how he's rejoicing over all these things. And he explains the reason for his joy in chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. You can just listen. It says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That last verse is a, famous, or a common one among professional athletes who think that they can do anything because of Jesus. That's not what the verse is referring to. Paul's talking about contentment in all of life's circumstances. He's talking about how he can have joy while sitting in a prison cell facing his potential execution. Because in the midst of all, those all of those circumstances, he has Christ. And it is through him that he can endure and face those circumstances. See, Paul understands that if he has nothing but Jesus, he has everything. And on the flip side, if he has everything but Jesus, he has nothing. And the same is true for you and me. How do we have joy in all circumstances? By having Jesus. Because when you have Jesus, you have everything. And without him, you have nothing. So what do I mean by everything? Many people follow Jesus and don't have a lot by the world standards. So what is it that we have when we have Jesus? A lot? I'm going to talk about just two quick things, identity and future. We have an identity in Christ and a future. An identity that is unshakable as a child of God, a saint, a holy one, a righteous one. So at the end of the day, our circumstances will never change who we are at the core. We have an unshakable identity in Christ. And then second, a future, a sure and steady future, one that cannot change. One day, those who are in Christ will live in a new heavens and a new earth where there will be no more pain. No more suffering, no more evil, no more sin, no more death. We will enjoy eternity with our creator forever. So our circumstances now will not have the final say in our life. See, only Jesus can offer the unshakable identity and sure future that allows us to have joy in all circumstances. Not career, not family, not finances, dreams, accomplishments, social status, popularity, and the various pleasures of this world. They will all let us down, disappoint us, come and go. And if you're looking for joy in these things, you won't find it. Jesus is the only one who can offer true joy because he is the only one who can give us an unshakable identity and a sure future. John Bunyan, the 17th century preacher and author of Pilgrim's, Pilgrim's Progress, one of the most popular uh, and often read Christian books, uh, wrote Pilgrim's Progress from prison. Now, he was in prison for 12 years for preaching the gospel. He refused to stop preaching the gospel, and so he was put in prison. And it was a difficult experience for him. He describes the experience of being separated from his family, like his flesh being pulled from his bones. Uh, he had a daughter who was blind, and he knew the difficult circumstances his family would face, uh, and he wouldn't be able to help them. And so he, he had a lot of sorrow about being separated from his family. But in the midst of these circumstances, he writes this poem from prison. It says, I am indeed in prison now, 
in body but my mind, is free to study Christ and how, unto me he is kind. For though men keep my outward man within their locks and bars, yet by, by the faith of Christ I can mount higher than the stars. Their fetters cannot spirits tame, nor tie up God from me. My faith and hope they cannot lame, above them I shall be. See, John Bunyan knew that no matter the circumstances of his life, no matter the pain, and it was real pain. I'm not saying if you have Jesus, you won't have difficulties. I'm not saying if you have Jesus, you won't ever feel or experience pain or sorrow or despair. John Bunyan certainly did. But in the midst of that, in the midst of the difficulty, he knew that nothing could separate him from God. Nothing could cut off his access to God through Christ. And so even when he had nothing, he still had Jesus. And that was everything. So if the key to joy is having Jesus, then how do we have him? How do we get him? How do we achieve or gain Christ? And this is the beauty of Christianity. We can't. <laughs> There's nothing we can do on our own power or strength to earn or achieve Christ or what he has to offer. We can only have Jesus when we come to terms with and believe that he has done everything required to have us. And he did everything required to make us his with joy. Uh, the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus endured the cross with joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says that we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We've all had bad days and we'll have many bad days to come, but no bad day that we could ever have will compare to what Jesus went through when he endured the cross. Physical pain, no doubt the physical pain of crucifixion uh, was brutal, but it didn't compare to the emotional and spiritual pain that Jesus experienced on the cross. If you think about, just imagine or, or think about the shame you feel when you make a mistake, when you hurt someone, uh, when you do something wrong, uh, when you, when you uh, maybe have been sinned against or someone has hurt you, that is not a good feeling. Now you add up all the times you've ever done something wrong, all the times you've ever sinned, and the shame that that brings, and then multiply that by the billions of people that have ever lived on this earth. That's what Jesus felt. He took the shame of the sin of all of mankind upon himself and took it to the cross. He was crushed by the weight of it. The only thing that outweighed the shame that Jesus experienced was the weight of God's just wrath that was poured out on him in our place. Jesus was crushed by and because of our sin so that we wouldn't have to be. And it says he did it with joy. Why? Because he knew at the other end of all of it, he would have you. He endured that pain for you. He knew that in order for you and me to escape the weight of our sin and the weight of God's judgment, he would have to take our place. And if he took our place, then we could be forgiven, we could be free, and we could be with him. Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world, endured the worst day in human history so that he could have us. And now you and I can face bad days with joy because we have him. My wife's grandpa, uh, his name is Dale, uh, he was recently diagnosed with Lewy body dementia. Uh, which, if you're unfamiliar, I wasn't, uh, is a type of dementia that uh, some of the symptoms are basically you, you lose your mind. You start to have very vivid hallucinations and delusions. You obviously start forgetting things. You can't learn new skills or new tasks or new information. So life for him has started to look very different. He had his license taken away. He doesn't leave the house very often. 
uh, because he's slowly starting to actually lose his mind. And we got to visit uh, him uh, this last weekend. We spent some time with Jenna's family for an early Christmas. And I was amazed by the joy that he had. And in a moment when uh, he and I were off to the side of family talking uh, with tears in his eyes and a smile on his face, he just told me about all the blessings that God has given him, about how awesome it has been that Jesus has saved him from his sin and how he has a, a future to look forward to with Christ. So how, how can someone who is on the, the brink of losing their mind, where reality and delusion are starting to become clouded, have such joy? Because he recognizes that Jesus already has him. That he has an identity that is unshakable and a future that is sure because he's Christ's and Christ is his. And so if you have Jesus, you can have joy on bad days because Jesus has endured the worst day with joy to have you. Uh, let me close in prayer. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to live the life that we never could, die the death we deserve, and rise from the grave, victoriously offering us freedom from sin, forgiveness for our mistakes, and eternal life with you. Jesus, thank you for enduring what you did on the cross so that you could have us out of love for us. God, I pray now that as we uh, just finish out this Christmas season and, and even think about the rest uh, of the year and the rest of our lives, we would find joy simply by the fact that we have you, that you're available to us because you, you came after us. Pray that as we close this service with a few more songs, we would worship you with joy as we think about all that is ours because of what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.